thing, our uh, consideration will fall on a theme regarding Thanksgiving, uh, which uh, no doubt many of us will be celebrating over this weekend and perhaps tomorrow. And uh, I wanted to think about uh, the idea of gratitude and uh, the, the, the powerful influence that that ought to have in our lives. Paul was writing, and we want to, let's turn together, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians in chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9. In fact, uh, we'll read the whole of that uh, chapter. 2 Corinthians 9, it's on page 968. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I'm sending the brothers uh, so that your boast, uh, our boasting about you may not prove vain in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up in his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission, flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ, and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. And I want us to consider verses 10 to the end this morning. Verses 10 to the end of that chapter. And uh, the context of this chapter is the fact that the church in Corinth had purposed about a year before to send a donation to the church in Jerusalem. Uh, For various reasons, uh, many people had lost their jobs because they had become Christians and they had been put out of their families, out of the synagogue and, and so on. And so many had fallen upon hard times. And uh, Paul is now writing to the Corinthians 
to remind them. Sometimes we'll get those letters in the mail, won't we? Maybe we've uh, uh, um, been on a phone call to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Maybe it was a, a fundraiser or Christmas daddies or whatever it is. And uh, you will make a pledge of a certain amount of money. And then you might get a letter in the mail uh, a week or so later saying, thank you for your pledge. Here's an envelope that you can send your money back in and so on. So they're reminding you of the pledge that you made. And sometimes that's the way it is with us in our lives. Uh, we will, it's easy to pledge something. Uh, but sometimes it's not always easy to follow through. We get distracted. Something might come up. We may forget about it. Uh, we may pledge and then the bill comes on Monday morning and we say, oh, well, I, I, I'll have to leave that until the next paycheck to send that on. And then when things start to go well, uh, you know, you've forgotten about that pledge that you made and life just goes on. Uh, and so it's good to be reminded. And God is reminding, and if Paul here is reminding the uh, Corinthians about the pledge that they had made. Uh, he said, it is superfluous for me. I don't need to for, write to you about the ministry to the saints. I know your readiness of which I boast about the Macedonians. You say, they were ready last year. They need to follow through. And in doing that, of course, there was the problem, and then there's the solution. And as we found in so many occasions, especially in the life of Jesus, when they tried to trap him, remember? Uh, they tried to set a trap for his feet, and, and, and yet it was through that trap that not only Jesus walked through it uh, and got out of it, but opened up for us a whole vast array of wonderful, encouraging teaching for us. And that's the case here. Not only does Paul remind them, but he dresses up that reminder. He adorns that reminder with the beauty of the Gospel. He, he gives them not only one, but many reasons why they should follow through on their gifts. And that is a large part of who we are. That's a large part of what we are as Christians. It's not simply what we believe in our heart and mind. It's how we live. That's our ministry every day. Whether we're small, whether we're older, whether we're children, whether we're adults, we have a ministry every day. And it's through, oftentimes, what we give. What we give, even when we come to church, we are bringing sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving to God. We're bringing something. We're always giving something. And this is a big part of it, what we do on Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday is a day of worship. Worship is important to God. And that's why we are to fill the day with public worship. To give God His due. Not to be satisfied with a minimalist approach to worship. Uh, but to take the opportunities that God affords us to gather with the saints and give to Him publicly what uh, uh, praise He deserves. Uh, but that gets at the heart of who we are each and every day. That God has enriched us for a reason. And the, one of the biggest reasons is not just so that we can say, I have this big house, which I've always dreamed of, and this nice car, and so on, and isn't it great, and I'm very comfortable, thank you very much. End of story, I'll put a period there. And no, it's not that. Everything 
is to glorify God. God enriches us for a reason. And Paul opens that up for us here. Paul wanted them uh, to finish what they had begun. And as we are seeing in Philippians, and, and this dovetails very nicely with our, our Tuesday night study in Philippians, uh, we are looking at generosity and giving. Paul is not only concerned about the people in Jerusalem, he's concerned about the Corinthians. He's concerned about the Philippians. That they realize the unbelievable ministry that God is inviting them into. It ought not to be a grudging uh, uh, ministry of you know opening up your wallet and blowing off the dust and pulling out the, 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 the bills or the, going under the cushions for change or whatever it is. But he's inviting them into uh, the, the most wonderful investment plan uh, that any uh, investment company could ever uh, even dream up. And so he is encouraging them to finish what they started. And in doing so, he uh, reveals to them the many blessings that will flow out from it. And so he says... Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So the first thing he wants them to understand is that God is the author of this ministry. He supplies seed to the sower. He is the one who gives us what we have. Look out into the fields. Look at how these things grow miraculously. They grow. God is the author of life. He gives life. He is the source of life. And the Bible is full of that, and that is to His praise. The Psalms speak about God causing things to grow for our food. And so God is the author of all of these good things. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will multiply your seed for sowing. So we, we realize that God is the author of everything that we have. And that He gives it for a purpose. He supplies seed to the sower. There's a purpose there, isn't there? Not that the, the, the sower will hold on to the seed, but we'll go and sow the seed. We'll do something with it. And the purpose is to multiply. The purpose is there to multiply. And so, Paul is, is careful to base his uh, reasons and his call upon the, uh, uh, the, the goodness of God. Uh, the, 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 the generosity of God Himself. That God gives things to us for a reason. Do you ever think of your life in that way? Do you ever think about why you have what you have? Why you live where you live? Why you have the gifts and the, 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 the talents that you have? 
Does it just stop with you? Does it just do you just see yourself as a self-contained or do you see your responsibility in terms of God? God Paul says later on, what do you have that you did not receive? Whether it be abilities, gifts, money, privilege, whatever it ha- whatever it is, what do you possess right now that you have not received from God? And then he goes on to say, why do you boast as if you did not receive it, but that you are a self-made man, and that what you possess is for your own uh, welfare? No. There is purpose in the distribution of God's gifts. That's why in the verse just before, in verse 9, he quotes Psalm 112, which speaks of the righteous man. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. The godly man, the man who fears the Lord, is the man who believes that all things come from the Lord Himself. That God supplies all that He has, uh, all that He has given, and that is not just uh, material things. He is quoting here from the chapter we read in Isaiah 55. Your seed for sowing. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, 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 he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now in Isaiah 55, where this is quoted, he uses the same language, and this is uh, what Paul is getting at. Verse 10, For as the, this is Isaiah 55.10, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now that's an intentional uh, uh, word on Paul's part to draw our attention to the fact that it's not just sharing in physical things. Not just sharing of our money or of our possessions, but Isaiah 55 speaks of the riches of the gospel. Because he goes on, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. Now we have all here varying degrees of incomes and gifts and callings in this life, all given by God. We ought not to be looking down on anyone, nor ought we to envy anyone, because it's all according to the gift of God. But we have been given a measure of understanding about the Gospel that we share. And that is one of the things in particular that Paul is getting at in uh, quoting from Isaiah. That it's not just physical things that we are to share in, but in the, the wealth of the Gospel. That's how Isaiah 55 starts off. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy? 
Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Now what's he talking about there? He's not talking about uh, going to a local restaurant for food. He's talking about the delicacies of the Gospel. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's why we come to the Lord's Supper and we take bread and wine. It's the delicacies of the Gospel that we are eating here today. And whatever our financial status, we are all to be those who share the Gospel with our children, with our friends, with those around us as we have opportunity. Again, all of this coming from God. But then he goes on and he talks about the the reasons and the benefits of giving. You might think that there's one benefit. We may even say there's two benefits. One person is helped and one person may feel good about giving. But Paul says, wait a minute, there's lots more reasons uh, uh, for, for giving that I want to share with you, which will provoke you in a way that you never thought possible before. What does he say first? Verse 10, in the middle there, and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Righteousness is doing what God wants us to do. Living the life according to God's law that He wants us to live. Now we know that there is a righteousness given by God by which we are justified. That doesn't change. But the things that we do for God and for one another in our daily lives, this is righteousness. Now you'll remember way back eons ago in our earlier study of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus said that we are not to lay up treasure for ourselves on earth, but lay up treasure for ourselves in heaven. What is that treasure? It's the treasure that is comes from the things that we do in this life. The Bible talks about reward. And Paul is saying the same here. Increase the harvest of your righteousness. The blessing that though every Christian will be saved, not every Christian will enjoy the same reward. There are certain people who serve the Lord in this life selflessly. They trusted the Lord. They gave of themselves, of their time, of their lives to God. And Jesus says, that is what it is to lay up treasure for yourself in heaven. It's the acts of righteousness. And He says, this increases your harvest of righteousness. So there's a great deal of work that goes into planting potatoes. You plant them, you, you, you cut the sets. You first have to buy them, you cut them. You uh, coat them with uh, uh, lime and, and uh, put them in the, in the fields. There's a harvest, you've got to work the land. There's all sorts of work that goes into it. Then you've got to cultivate the field. And then the field is sprayed and all the rest of it. There's so much work that goes into it. But then at the end, there's a harvest. And we thank God for the wonderful harvest this year as from all reports and, the, and that we're, we have a good window of weather where we're able to get that, the, those potatoes out of the ground. 
But there is an understanding that with work comes reward. And Paul is saying, applying that same principle here. Of course, it, goes, it falls in line with uh, seed and sower and bread and all the rest of it, doesn't it? But this is uh, what Paul is, is uh, uh, trying to get across to the um, uh, Corinthians. And that it's not simply a reward in terms of material return. As if I put $20 in, I'll get 100 back. If I put $100 in, I'll get 1000 back. Uh, we can be very affected by the prosperity gospel that says that God wants you healthy and wealthy all the time. And that is not the gospel. But the Bible does celebrate in rich language. Very rich language. More so than any prosperity preacher. The prosperity preachers rob people in more than one way. Robbing people in uh, not only of their material possessions, but robbing them in terms of what real reward looks like. Not having your best life now, but storing up righteousness for the life to come. You see, really, the prosperity preachers make people poor. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Not only here, but in the life to come. And so, uh, he says, uh, it will be to the, uh, the harvest of righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your generosity. They will be enriched. Again, we are not to think here exclusively in material terms, though that is not excluded either. We're not to think that God is only concerned in the, in the physical, because He does. He, Jesus says in another place uh, about food and clothing that God will provide these things for His children, and that we're not to worry uh, 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 inordinately about these things, but we're to commit these things to Him. But Paul talks here, you will be enriched in every way. Spiritually, physically, socially, your church, your families, the world, and so on. For your generosity. Which through us produce thanksgiving to God. So, so far we've had a harvest of righteousness. We've had enrichment personal enrichment, spiritually, physically, socially. We now have thanksgiving, where the people who receive those gifts that you give are now thanking God. I thank you, God, for hearing our prayer. See what's now happening? It's set off a whole chain reaction of things. It's spreading quicker than viruses. It's spreading very fast. And the effect is multiplying in very wonderful ways. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. There he says it again. Verse 11 and 12. 
Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. But also, glorifying. By, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission. It's one thing to thank someone. I can thank somebody and say, oh, they gave me $100 or they gave me so much of their time. I say, that person, I, you know, I thank that person. But to glorify that person is then to go on about that person and say, that's the kind of person they are. They're always doing it. They did it for this person and that person. And they're so kind and patient. And what are you doing? You're glorifying that person. And that's what Paul is seeing what's happening with the with the. Uh, 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 People in Jerusalem, he's saying, not only will they thank God, they will glorify God. They will get their fingers down into that treasure chest and, and, and really think about the character of God. And they'll start praising God for who He is. That's what we are to be about. As we think over this Thanksgiving weekend and really every day of the wonderful things God has given to us, we glorify God. We look out to the world around us. We glorify Him for being a God of beauty, a God of design, a God of order. We look at our bodies, our hands, our, our ears, our eyes, everything, and we, we say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at how wonderful God is. All of this is flowing out, you see, from one act of generosity on the part of the Corinthians. One act, and we're not done yet. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the Gospel of Christ. It will be a testimony. They'll say, why are you doing these things? Because we, like you people in Jerusalem, have also come to hear uh, way over here in Corinth, of the fact that God loved us Gentiles, we Greeks, in giving us His Son too. And out of our thankfulness to God, we want to share in this with you. What's going on? There's a testimony of the Gospel that's coming out as well. Christ is being glorified in testifying. A little child might ask their father, Dad, why did these people give so generously so far across the known world? And to us, they, they haven't even met us. Well, son, let me tell you. They believe as I believe, and your mom believes, that Jesus Christ of Nazareth died on that cross in Jerusalem. And that He is one for us eternal life. And those Corinthians, like ourselves, now are so overwhelmed with the love of God, they want to share with what they have with people they've never met. And so that little boy is hearing the testimony of the Gospel. Again, all flowing from one act. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God, upon you. Here's another thing. They'll start to pray for you, for giving. 
We've heard that so many times of people who have received from us and they've written back and, and say, we, we remember the, the congregation and disabled for their kindness and we have this and we're able to do that now. because And we thank God for you and we're now praying for you. MacArthur says in his study Bible that this verse illustrates the truth that mutual prayer is at the heart of authentic Christian unity. It's at the heart of authentic Christian unity. When the Jerusalem believers recognized God was at work in the Corinthian church, as a result of its outreach through the collection, they would have become friends in Christ and prayed for the Corinthians, thanking God for their loving generosity. What's happening? It's just back and forth, back and forth now. Up and down and all over. The, the, the joy and the celebration and the love is just going off in all sorts of directions. It's just from, again, one act. And of course, we come full circle. And Paul brings it full circle by bringing it back to God. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Paul can't get away from the fact that at the end of the day, whatever we give, whatever we have, comes from God. Even the desire to give that arises out of what we've come to know about God's inexpressible gift. And by that He means His Son. The perfect gift. His own Son. How could you get a greater gift than that? The only Son of God given on a cross, crucified for us, the highest expression of His love. And for the most perfect reason, we all got, all gotten gifts. People have given things to us that may not have been that practical. Maybe it was an, an ugly tie or something like that. You say, I'm not wearing that. Or, Don't you even know me? Don't you ever get to know and think about what I... So sometimes we receive very impractical gifts from people. Not God. God knew exactly what we needed. Not more money. Not more friends. Not more health. All He knew we needed a Savior. You need a Savior today. That's your greatest need today. Whatever your aspirations in life in terms of career, marriage, where you're going to live, what job you're going to whatever your needs, your need is this, I'll tell you, is a need of a Savior. And God knew that. And that's why Jesus died on a cross 2,000 years ago. And that's why this morning, in His Word, He is again inviting you to receive that gift that He has given. It's the perfect gift. It's the perfect giver. It's the perfect gift. And it's for the most perfect reason. Because without that gift, we would be eternally lost. Does that not weigh heavily upon your soul? Do you ever think of that? That you are accountable to God this morning? And He is going to hold you account for what's in your heart and mind? 
He will judge you for that. That's why you have a conscience. And your conscience tells you right from wrong. God put that there. And God, because of that, in His great mercy, because He's a good God, not just just, He's good. He says, nevertheless, here's My Son, and I will punish Him for what you did so that if you accept that gift, you will go free. It's the perfect gift. And out of that, we not only are saved, but we are now invited to participate in the most wonderful ministry in the world, and that is the giving of ourselves. To give ourselves away as Jesus gave Himself away for me. Here I am. Once you get that, you say, here I am. You don't drag yourself to the front. You say, here I am, Lord. Send me. I want to get in on this. I want to see through you supplying me and me not hoarding that for myself, but me sharing that with a world in need. I want to see you thanked and glorified. I want to see the needs of the saints met. I want to see those saints praying back toward me. My harvest of righteousness growing. On and on it goes. And so on this day of thanksgiving, when we celebrate the good gifts of God, let's not, let's not rob God Let's not minimize God. Minimize God's intentions to almost accusing Him of wanting us to go without. No. God says, I'm saying these things to enrich you. I could do it myself. The cattle on the thousand hills are mine. I'm not dependent upon you, but I'm inviting you. As Paul will see on Philippians, Philippians on Tuesday night, He says, I don't seek what is yours. I seek you. I seek what abounds to your account. I seek, I seek nothing but your blessing and your growth and your joy. I labor for your joy. I'm poured out for your joy. And this ministry, not only in physical things, but in the Gospel, in the giving of our time, in the giving of ourselves away, you will find real joy and blessing. May it be so for us this morning. Let us pray.